0: Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you for how much you care for us. We thank you for your word and your love. We ask you to look at what, bring your spirit on us and help us to see what you would have us to see from this. In your son's name, amen. All right, we finished Ephesians last week. And we're going to start a... Section uh I'm going to call foundations. It's going to be on Genesis 1 through 11 and it's going to cover the beginnings of many of the doctrines that we follow. I think that Genesis 1 through 11 is probably one of the most important sections in the word of word of God because it gives us the first, it gives us the first uh gives us creation, it gives us the fact that God created everything, it gives us the the rule the, the first marriage, the first government, the first you know Uh, the first sin why why sacrifice is part of it it is a foundational uh, verses to look at and one of the reasons I think this is important is because there's an interpretation rule called the rule of first mention and basically that says if you want to understand what God says about a topic you want to go back to the very first mention of it in the Bible where it's the, the most simple okay when God introduces something he starts out it starts out at its simplest form and then the other big interpretation ruler gets progressive theology is beyond that and the more he gives on it the more he adds to the definition the more we understand it but if you don't understand the first mention when it's in its simplest form you can get lost in Some of the deeper stuff, and and this is some of the things we find when when new Christians start getting into some very deep subjects that they're not ready to understand. Sometimes they go a little little crazy for a while because they're just trying to absorb. It would be like trying to teach calculus to a kindergartner. Now they don't even know how to do one plus one, and you're going to try to teach them this advanced stuff, and it just isn't going to (laughs) to work. So we're going to be looking for the next months probably at these first foundational truths. And we're going to start with Genesis 1:1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that's the only verse we're going to cover today. And we're not even going to finish that one today. We're going to be on 1-1 next week as well. <laughs> so we look at this. And I don't know if you've ever really thought about how powerful and how much information is in this verse. In the beginning God Now, if you get out there into the world of, of uh, archaeology and sociology they try to tell us that man created God you now man is just floundering around and they needed a God so they created God and then they go to the point where we're so far advanced and so far so far advanced in our thinking that we no longer need God and that's pretty good you can get rid of God if man created God we could go ahead and get rid of him the only problem is Man didn't give, start God. And this is what we look at. In the beginning, God. Now God existed before the beginning that we're referring to here. It doesn't say that in the beginning of everything, God all of a sudden appeared. Because we're gonna look, God predates time. He predates creation. And you say, well, Pastor, obviously we know that, but you know, we want to really drive it home that we know that. Because too many times we think of somehow everything starting at creation. But there's lots of things that go back before creation. We're gonna look at some of those verses in the Bible that talk about what happened before creation. Because we, as humans, time was created for us. When God went through Genesis 1, everything in Genesis 1 and 2 is for us. God created this world for humans. He gave us just the right gravity, just the right oxygen content, just the right, everything is just right in this world for humanity to survive. And we look at this because you think this is interesting because if you look at other planets, and I love, I've always loved astro- astronomy. I loved looking at the other planets. There's no other planet in our solar system that we could live on <laughs> because none of them have oxygen. The, the rotation of them is not right. The angle of them is not right. The gravity of them is not right. Mm -hmm. Everything about this planet is made for us. And the world really tries to tell us, well, it was all accidental. Well, the other subject I love is mathematics, and if you wanna try to convince me that this was accidental, boy, I wouldn't wanna take that bet in any day. We'd we'd win the (laughs) Powerball faster than we could have, win a bet that this world was randomly created, uh, uh, not even created, but randomly started. You know, you'd win Powerball, and that's what, 400 and some uh, million to one that you can win? <laughs> you know, I, I would take that bet long before i take a bet that this world randomly started. It just, that's how wild it is. It would be easier to shuffle a deck of cards back into order. And I don't know if any of you have ever shuffled cards, but the, the, odds, of, the odds of shuffling a deck of cards back into order is one, 1.83 to the 52nd power. <laughs> just a small number. <laughs> And they want to tell us this world with all of its complexity just accidentally showed up one day. This is the thing, in the beginning, God. We talk about this, God exists. How long has God existed? For all of eternity, and eternity is the outside of time. This is why we talk, when when we talk about God knowing everything, he knows everything. Because he's outside of time, looking down at time. From his perspective, time has already ended. He doesn't, he doesn't say, well, here I am. I don't know what's happening tomorrow. No, he knows what's happening tomorrow. And we've shared you with this. When we talk about God knowing everything and being everywhere present, we also, I also teach you that he is every time present. He is right now with Adam and Eve. He's with us and he's at the Millennial Kingdom already because he's every time present at the same time. When he tells us what's going to happen in the scriptures, it's not his guesswork for him. It's not him making sure things happen. It's just like he says, oh, I read the book, I know the end story and I'm gonna tell you it. It'd be like us being the creator of the story and say, well, I already know how the book's gonna end, I just have to make it in the way I want to end is not what he's saying. He says, I've already seen the end because he's outside of time, he's above time. And this is why we look at this. In the beginning, God. The beginning of all time, which for us as Christians, roughly about 6,000 years ago. <laughs> okay? Now, now, I've heard many of those They'll play around and go maybe 10,000 years, but I don't believe that because God took seven days to create everything, and we have about, about five to 6,000 years of history that we have recorded. So I'm not going to play the game 6 to 10. <laughs> uh, I'm going to tell you 6. I might go 7, <laughs> but definitely no more than that. But we look at this and God was at the beginning of time he existed before time he existed before the earth he existed and had a plan and how many times have we shared this Adam and Eve's sin was not a surprise to God he knew they were going to sin how do we know that he knew that they were going to sin because in Genesis 315 he already said I'm going to send the sacrifice was going to bruise, the serpent's going to bruise his heel and he's going to crush the serpent's head. It wasn't God scrambling around trying to find a plan. <laughs> he knew the plan even before he created us. And, you know, and we've shared this. How amazing. If we were God, would we have created man knowing that they were going to fail and that the cost of buying them back would have been the death of his son? I don't think any of us would have done that. But you know what? We're not God, we don't know everything. God doesn't need anything, but obviously there's some benefit that he's getting by having created us, that he loves us enough to do this. And we get to spend eternity with him when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior because he already knew that when he created Adam and Eve, they were gonna fall and that Jesus was going to come and sacrifice himself. So we're gonna look at some verses here. We're gonna look at John 17. And for anybody who knows it, when we talk about the Lord's Prayer, people usually say, Our Father who art in heaven. That was Jesus teaching his disciples to pray. That really wasn't his prayer. John 17 is Jesus' prayer. (laughs) If you want to go to a prayer that is his, this is his prayer. And we're going to look at verse 5 in this John 17. And now, O Father... Glorify you me with your own image with the glory, which I had with you before the world was I Have manifested your name unto men Which you have given me out of this world they? Yours they were and you gave them to me and now I have kept them with your word Now they have known that all things whatsoever you have given me are yours Jesus by his own prayer says I'm ready to take back my glory. (laughs) Paul told us that that Jesus laid aside his glory and came to this world. Can you imagine how difficult that would have been? How many of us would like to just, whatever level we have of blessings, just lay them aside and go down to the lowest possible level? Jesus, who we're going to read later, creator of the universe, lays aside his power. And comes in to be a child comes as an infant Now, what is more humble than that if you look at mythology there's many many demigods or half gods but they all end up usually starting out as adults they just show up a handful of them have have a birth you know but most of them just show up as adults because in man's mind No God is going to come down in the weakest, most fragile entity that he could come into, an infant. Everyone in this room has been around infants or had infants in your life. Uh, An infant doesn't do much. I like to tease all the mothers who love infants and always talking about how beautiful and pretty they are and go, no, they're no fun until they get to be about two or three years old (laughs) when they're they're no, no longer this fragile thing that has to be taken care of every single moment. But you know that's how Jesus came. Laid aside all of his power, all of his authority and came as an infant. Herod tried to kill all the infants in Bethlehem because he wanted to destroy Jesus while he was weak. At his weakest he could kill kill God. Now he was worried about a king but he was motivated of course by Satan who wanted to kill Jesus. Because if he could kill Jesus then redemption would never happen but God protected him, and God was ultimately his protection. He had Mary and Joseph to protect him, but God was his ultimate protector. Went and grew, was subject, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, he made himself subject to Mary and Joseph. The God of the universe (laughs) being subject to parents. Why? So that he could teach us how we were to behave toward parents. (laughs) Plain and simple. You know, could he have come and been master of the world at three years old? He was God. He could have done that. But it went in violation of all the scripture he came to keep. He came to fulfill the law. He spent his whole life obeying all of God's laws. And as he got older, having fun breaking man's laws to keep God well, keeping God's laws. <laughs> breaking man's rules so that he could irritate the religious leaders He said these are just as important as God's laws. But he existed before. And he says, "I'm chapter 17 of John, I'm getting ready to come back to you, Father. I'm ready to take up my glory. He temporarily put down his glory. And he's going, I'm ready to come back and get it. 24 in, in chapter 17. Father, I will that also whom you have given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you have loved me, before the foundation of the world. You know, God did not need to create the world to get company. Okay? He didn't create us to get company. He didn't create us to have somebody to worship. You know, we don't really know what it, the purpose is. The, we have a creed that says the chief aim of man is to glorify God. It seems to be the only reason we recorded it to glorify Him. But He didn't need any of that. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have existed for eternity. They had all the company they ever wanted with themselves in a perfect union. They didn't fight like most of us do when we get together. Even when we love one another, we still tend to fight and argue and vicar. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit did not fight, argue, and vicar. They loved each other completely. And here's Jesus saying, Father, you loved me before, before even all creation. I'm hoping that these people have seen this love. Very important, very important for us to look at 1st Peter chapter 1 starting at verse 19 but with the precious blood of Christ as the Lamb of God without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last days for you who by him do believe in God, hath raised him up from the dead, and hath given him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Jesus, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. This goes back to what we were saying at the very beginning. God created us knowing we were gonna fall, and yet had a plan <laughs> that he was going to redeem us. And the, the plan basically, there's something along this line the Father Son and the Holy Spirit are talking and go well we're getting ready to create man in this world they're going to fail and and the Father turning to Jesus and saying will you give your life to buy them back and Jesus saying yes I will yes I will he was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world the voluntary lamb slain before the foundation of the world as soon as he said yes I will suffer yes I will die as far as God was concerned he had already paid for sin even though he hadn't done it yet why because Jesus is God God cannot lie so as soon as he said yes I will die for them it was as good as done then he created the earth as far as God was concerned from the moment the man was created Jesus had already died and covered their sin that they were going to do we have so much trouble sometimes looking at how can God do this how can God forgive me how can God forgive me the sins I've done how can he how can he fix it he forgave us before he ever created this world he already had it in his mind that we were forgiven no matter what we did how many of our sins were future when he decided that we had already been forgiven all of them there had not been anybody created even yet the world hadn't even fallen when he says, I'm going to pay for this sin. He tells us that there's one unpardonable sin. What is that? To reject Jesus Christ. Plain and simple we reject Jesus Christ's sacrifice. That's the only thing that sends us to hell because the sins have been paid for. Now it doesn't mean you're not going to have consequences. You're not going to be you know, possibly even have levels of hell. But it is not your sin that sends you to hell. It is rejecting Jesus Christ trying to go before him and stand before him in your own righteousness. then When they stand before him God at the white throne judgment they're going to be clothed in their own righteousness which Isaiah tells us is filthy rags. They're going to stand up there going before, Now I don't know how much you know about court but usually when you go to court especially if it's a big case your lawyer dresses you up in something nice to wear unless you have to come straight from the prison or jail and you get you get stuck use it but even then they want to try to get you dressed up why because they want you to look good to the people looking at you the people standing before God in their own righteousness are going to go up there and they go God look at all the good stuff I've done and then they're gonna look down and see what their good is filthy stinking rags that they're standing before the God of heaven saying let me in because I'm dressed so nicely we as Christians will have the blood of Christ covering us, we'll have the righteousness of Christ indwelling us, and when we stand before God at the bema of seat judgment, we're standing in the righteousness of Christ. And God looks down and he says, oh, this is my wonderful child. They're dressed, look how beautiful they're dressed. I gave them their clothing, but look how beautiful they're dressed. And we get our rewards. God is gonna burn all of, our, all of our works, and only what's done through him will last. And what is he looking for? Is he looking at us to say, well, look at all the stuff you lost? No, he's looking at us and saying, here's what, I, here's what I've got for you. Here's what, here's what you have your rewards from your walk on, on this world. Now, he might show us all the rewards we could have had. He goes, you have this handful, but you could have had this pile over here. But he's still gonna say, good job on this little bit that you do have, or a lot to, for some of us, or some. some. But none of us are gonna have everything that God had in store for us, because none of us walked that closely with him. Some walk closer than others. Some have had very, will have very few, some will have more. Nobody's gonna have everything that God would have said in, in their hand. Because I can tell you right now, there's many times I think, I'll come out at the end of the day, think I should have said this, or done this, or done this, or said this to this person. And I'm real good at coming up with the right thing to say to somebody three hours after I've left them. and I know that I'm not the the only one that has that (laughs) issue okay but he's sitting there and he's slain before the foundation of the world revelation 13 verse 8 and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are were not written in the book of life Of the lamb slain before the foundation of the world when we get to the end days every knee is going to bow before Jesus every knee just as this one said even those whose names are not written in the book are going to bow before Jesus further on Lucifer himself and the demons are going to bow and recognize him as Lord before they're cast into into the lake of fire Every knee on earth, every knee that has rejected in, in him the, in the spiritual realm will bow before Jesus and recognize him as Lord as, as they're being cast, cast away. Now, we will bow as well, but we're also going to rejoice as Christians that are covered in the blood of Christ. We're going to rejoice when we bow our knees. The rest of the ones whose names are not there, they're going to be forced to bow. They are going to bow. And this is a picture of the old, the old times when uh, Nebuchadnezzar and Cyrus and these countries captured a country, your king was forced to bow before that king, usually after having been marched from his capital to your capital in chains, usually totally deprived of clothing or very, or very minimal, no royal robes, and they were forced to bow before that king. Even if they had to push them down, they were forced to bow. And this is the picture that he's using on this. Satan will bow one day before the God of heaven, Jesus Christ. And we think, oh, he's he's got everything. He's all-powerful. And the one thing I keep bringing up, Satan is not the opposite of God. He is not omnipresent. He is not omniscient. He is not all-powerful. He is a created being. God is completely in charge of him. And we see that in Job. Job's a great example where he has to go to Job, go before God to ask permission to do things to Job. He is on a leash. He's on a leash. He cannot do anything other than what God allows him to do. So never get into this. There's many people who believe that Satan is the opposite of God. He's just as strong, and they're in balance, and this is the, the whole Eastern mysticism mentality the good and evil are in total balance and and you can't have one without the other and You'll hear people say you can't have good without evil, and that's not true God is good. He existed before the foundation of the earth. He existed before the angels and he existed because he is good So good has always existed Now evil would not (coughs) Evil would not be able to exist without good because you'd have to have something to balance it against. But good is good. It is good. And it always exists because God is good. He is the standard of good. And this is the one thing that when people will try to tell you that we are evolved creatures and there is no absolute standard. But you know we know that things are good and bad. There are certain things that are just bad. And we know that they're bad. Stealing from somebody is considered bad by almost every single person. Killing people is considered bad by almost every person, but in their heart they still know it's bad. There's certain things that we know are right and wrong because there is a standard of good. And so we look at this and it says, Jesus slain before the foundation of this world. And then we already already talked about Genesis 3.15. God already had the plan for redemption. Man fell and God came and said, Here's your answer. I already, I already knew you were going to fall. I'm sad. You know, I'm sad that you did, but I knew it. I knew what you were going to do. And he says, "This is my plan. My son's going to come. Satan's going to bruise his bruise his heel, but he's going to crush Satan's head." And we've seen that happen at the cross, where he took on sin. Jesus became sin on the cross. And you know. At any point in time, Jesus could have said to the Father, Father, these these people just aren't worth it. We'll just let Satan have them all and just take me home, and he didn't. But on the cross, when he became sin, the Father and the Spirit turned their back on him. And that's when he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He became sin, and for the first time in all of eternity, the fellowship between Jesus and the Father and the Spirit were broken. They could not look at him they had to turn their back because he became sin for the first time he was alone for the first time he felt the pain of the sin he felt the pain of the separation when we feel separate from God and lonely he knows what that feels like because he had a period of time when he felt that separation that pain that loneliness and in his case it was real it wasn't just an emotional attachment it was real He was separated from God. And he says it was planned before the foundation of the world. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8 that we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world known, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. God had a plan. When it talks about the mystery of God, the mystery of wisdom, the simple definition of the mystery of wisdom, God brought Gentiles into fellowship with him. this was a mystery to the Jews I don't know why it was a mystery to the Jews because if, as you know we've been going through the Old Testament you know on on Wednesday night through the, the Pentateuch all, all over the place Jesus said I want the Gentiles to come and worship in this tabernacle we're building I, they can come and they can come and make these these sacrifices they can come and worship God matter of fact it made it very clear that he wanted Gentiles to come and worship him and yet the Jews made higher and higher obstacles and walls to keep Gentiles away from being able to make those sacrifices so when Jesus came he said okay we the Jews don't want it right now we're gonna give it to the Gentiles and for the last 19,000 9, 1900 years uh, 2000 years God has been working with the Gentiles that does not mean he got rid of the Jews He has a plan for the Jews, and Revelation is all about the plan for the Jews. Okay, he's going to call 144 Jewish evangelists to preach to the Jews. All through the tribulation period, he's going back to Israel and saying, all right, I'm still your God. Are you ready to follow? Are you ready to turn to me? And at the end, they're going to turn to him. And they recognize Jesus as the Messiah right on the cusp of being too late, but they're gonna recognize. The church will be in heaven enjoying the marriage supper of the lamb while he's dealing with the Jews again. Doesn't mean the Jews are thrown away, doesn't mean that they're, that they're gone. And if you ever hear anybody teaching that stuff, it's not biblical. It is not biblical that God has gotten rid of the Jews. He has put them on the shelf for the time being while he works with the Gentiles, but they're coming back, and he's gonna come back to dealing with them. Because as he told told the prophet he goes show Israel show me my bill of divorce I have not divorced you even though we put him off into the world he has not divorced Israel because he calls Israel his bride the father all through the old testament calls Israel his bride he hasn't thrown them away he hasn't rejected them completely but he's going to bring the mystery to us and again it was before the foundation of the world can you imagine what it would have been like before the God the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit to God together just you know sitting around a table that didn't exist of course at that time but they're standing around if they're saying you know uh, I think we're gonna make man let's go ahead and lay out the whole plan for man all 7,000 years in advance you know we're gonna just plan it all out <laughs> we're gonna know exactly what they're gonna do what, what 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 who's gonna live what what their traits are what their skills are who's gonna be who's gonna be teachers who's gonna be evangelist He knew all of the stuff. He knew the decisions that were going to be made before the foundation of anything. Wouldn't that have been a great meeting to have been to? Satan wasn't even part of it because they hadn't, before the foundations of the world, they hadn't even started the angelic hosts yet. They're just kicking around somewhere in eternity past and saying, we're gonna create man. Now by the way, this is how we're gonna build the body and how we're gonna build the eyes and these are the trees they need to be able to get shade and this is the food they're gonna need to eat. Uh, These are the animals we're gonna do. These are the ones that care for them. These are the ones to keep everything in balance once they fall and and death enters in. You realize how much planning that would be to get it right? (laughs) Granted, he knows everything, but that still takes planning to put everything in perfect balance and now with the plan that he has for us. John 8, 58. This is a verse for you that when you have people tell you that Jesus never claimed to be God, this is one of those verses that he claimed to be God. And the, and the people around him knew very well what he was saying. And we're gonna go back uh, verse 54. Well, let's go back to 52. Then said the Jews unto him, now we know that you have a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and you say, if a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, which is, which is dead, and the prophets that are dead, who, who you make yourself? And Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him but if you had known him and if I should say I know him not I shall be a liar like unto you but I know him and keep his sayings your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad then said the Jews unto him you are not yet 50 years old and you and you have seen Abraham and Jesus said unto them verily verily I say unto you before Abraham was I am and they took up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. They understood that he said he was God. <laughs> it was not even a question in their mind that he said he was God, because he said he knew, he knew Abraham, and he knew God. And then he said, before Abraham was, I am. And that is a significant statement because basically, what did God say his name was when Moses said, who shall I say sent me? I am that I am. I am the existing one. I am what I am. And Jesus, when he said before Abraham was, I am, there was no doubt in their mind what he said, which is why they picked up the rocks to stone him. This is one of the many places where Jesus very clearly said he was God. And he said, before Abraham was, I am. Another place when you remember when he healed on the Sabbath day, he said, but to show you that I am Lord of the Sabbath, I am God and I can forgive sins. He said, go your way, you're healed. Because they told him only God can forgive sins. So he says, correct. (laughs) Correct. Only God can forgive sins and because I have forgiven his sins, (laughs) I am saying I am God. All through these things, you know, and granted you can say that nowhere in there does Jesus say I am God <laughs> directly in those straightforward words, but the Jews knew exactly what he said. When he says I forgive sins and I have the power to forgive sins, they knew that he claimed to be God. When he said before Abraham was I am, he knew they knew he was claiming to be God. When he said I will resurrect, they knew that he was claiming to be God because nobody resurrected because nobody could give life. He went through this many times to show he was God's. We're running out of time, so I'm just going to give you a couple verses, because I was going to talk about God had a plan for us. And he tells us his plan started and was planned before the foundations of the world. And this is why I said, it's wonderful. God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit got together and just made this great big plan and say well, this is what we're gonna do and this is how we're gonna do it and this is what's gonna happen. And so in Ephesians 1.4 talks about us being chosen before the foundation of the earth. Second Timothy 1.9 says we were called before the foundation of the world. And Titus 1.2 says that life was, eternal life was promised before the foundation of the world. So rip those ones up, but God had a plan for us. This should be a great comfort to us. So when we go through anything that's hard in our life, God is not up in heaven saying, oh, no, I did not know that was going to (laughs) happen. You know, you're never going to go over here and say, whoops, uh, where where did that problem come from? He already knows our life. He already knows what's coming our way. And a great promise for those of us that are Christians, Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good for those who are called according to the purpose of God and remember I mentioned it many times it does not say all things work together for my good all things work together for good who's good God's good his glory his being lifted up many times we go through things and I'm and people will go "Well, how can this be good for me who said anything about it being good for you Now, to be honest, who said anything out about it being good for you? It's good for God. He will be glorified. He will be lifted up. Job losing all of his children was nothing good about him losing his children. Nothing. Now, he did get more children and beautiful children and godly children that, that God replaced them, but there was nothing good about him losing his children. There could be no deeper heartbreak than losing your children. So, that God just said, I'm gonna give you back children. They're not gonna replace your children, and I know they're not gonna replace your children, but you're going to get children again. Oftentimes, what we go through is not for our benefit. Sometimes it's just that we go through it with God, and then God strength, and people looking at us say, if you can do it, I can do it. <laughs> I've had several of those in times in my life where things have been really hard, and people going, I was inspired because you walked through that without crumbling and falling apart. I'm going, thank you, but it was only God that allowed me to get through it. Sometimes that's all it's all about. Sometimes we fall flat on our face and God has to lift us up and redeem us and he still gets glorified because he gets to lift us up and says, this is my child who I still love even though they fell. We've all had times of that nature too. There's times when we've walked through problems with no problems and there's times when we've fallen flat on our face and God's had to pick us up and saying, I still love you and I forgive you. We wanna keep these things in mind. God's wonderful love for us that he will be glorified by what, what we do in this life. Whether we fail or whether we pass the test, God is still glorified. And all of this is because he had an eternal plan that started before the foundation of the world He had a plan. That should give us great comfort. It gives me great comfort when I go through things. It's like, God, I don't understand why you're letting this thing happen, but you're still in control. Now, if God ever gets out of control, we got a problem, (laughs) Okay, But he's not going to get out of control. He is the supreme. He says what he says, and it's true. He's God. He doesn't lie. He will always, when he speaks, it will be true when he says that all things work together for good it's going to work together for good when he says I know what's going to happen to you he knows what's going to happen to us when he gives Satan permission to test us beyond what we think we can go through he has a reason for it and I showed this I think last week or the week before whenever we're going through hard times we need to kind of write a, a first chapter to our book the book of Ralph chapter 1 Satan went to before God and said can I you know I've been roaming around I want to trust him <laughs> we all go through that job did not know chapter 1 and chapter 2 of the book of Job <laughs> all he knew was his life was being turned upside down he did not know about chapter 1 and chapter 2 where Satan went to heaven and got permission to do what he was doing and I'm laughing about what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm really serious at the same time. When we're going through hard times, and we look at our life and say, Did, do I deserve this because of the sin that I'm doing? And sometimes that is true. I've done sin, and I deserve what I'm getting. Many times, I don't deserve what I'm getting. It's just chapter one in my book. Satan went before God and said, I want to test this person because you're protecting them so much. And I'm serious about this. We need to think about this. When we're going through hard times, okay, God, I wanna be your servant. Help me be a good job today. This, for however long this takes. Help me keep calm and trust in you. And God, please keep the four, the four crazy counselors away from me. Just let me be, God, be you and me, God. <laughs> keep those counselors who tell me how bad I am away from me. But you know, that's almost always part of the problem when we're down, we've always got counselors to tell us how bad we are. And if we just get right, everything's going to be okay. Well, sometimes we just have to endure through the strength of God to get through the trials. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come before you, and we ask you to be with us as we go out. Help us to recognize that you are in control. You knew, all, you knew before the foundation of the earth all that was going to happen, and we just want to love you and follow you. In your son's name, amen.